Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. That was amazing. That was amazing. I don't know about you, but my soul needed that. I know the people in the room, we needed that. So TLR family, I hope that you felt that. I hope that encouraged you. Man, y'all, thank you so much for leading us so strong. And while we're on topic, um, you don't wanna miss next Monday because next Monday is night of worship here at TLR. We're also gonna get to celebrate baptism as well. But next Monday is gonna basically be an hour straight of this crew leading us in worship, absolutely going in. So I'm just telling you right now, like circle it on your calendar, make a calendar reminder, text some friends, whatever you need to do, make sure you don't miss next Monday at the living room because it's gonna be an incredible night. But you know what's crazy is that tonight is actually our third to last Monday of the semester. Like we have tonight, we have next week, the 16th, and then we take a few weeks off for break and finals and all that, and then we'll have a special Christmas service that is gonna air on December 21st, so that's gonna be pretty exciting as well, so you could tune in maybe with your family and friends as you're home for Christmas break, and uh, we're really excited about every single gathering that we have left this semester. Man, what a semester it has been, and I just wanna say to the TLR fam, uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the very first time tonight, or maybe you've been tuning in with us all semester long, I just wanna say thank you for your commitment to tuning in Monday after Monday. I know this semester um, has looked a whole lot different than semesters in the past, but man, this semester has been so special, so unique. We've gotten to experience and hear so many amazing, amazing stories, and uh, so I just wanna say thank you for leaning in, not just tuning in each week, but leaning in with us and believing God for more, believing that every single Monday night, God wants to show up and do really, really extraordinary things. And I believe that tonight is, is no different. God already has been moving in really powerful ways in that worship. And um, right now, we're gonna get to dive in tonight to part three, the final part of the series that we've been in called Living the Dream. Living the Dream, and I've loved uh, getting to preach this series. Uh, throughout the course of this series, we've been taking a look at the life and story of Joseph as recorded in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, first book of the Old Testament. And if you've been tracking along uh, with us throughout this series, or if you just have ever heard anything about the story of Joseph, you know that Joseph's story is a pretty wild one. Like there's ups and downs, it's a story of setback after setback, but it's also an amazing story. And God worked in Joseph, Joseph's life in some really unique, amazing ways. And even the bad moments, the worst moments in his story, God redeemed those moments for good. And tonight we get to kind of conclude this series and we're gonna get to take a look at the moment in Joseph's life where he was reunited with his brothers for the very first time, the same brothers that once sold him into slavery. And I'm just giving you a, a warning um, that's where we're headed, and it's a pretty incredible moment. So I'm telling you, uh, make sure that you tune in throughout the course of this message. Maybe text a couple people right now and be like, hey, um, tonight we're going in. In fact, tonight, um, I really believe tonight, and I don't say this lightly, I believe tonight has the power and the potential to significantly shift some things in your life. In fact, I believe tonight, and this is, it feels kind of weird to say this, but I believe tonight this message 
has the power and potential to significantly shift some things in my life. In fact, as I've been preparing for tonight, as I've been going through my notes for tonight, I have felt so convicted, so challenged. And so as I'm speaking to you tonight, please know my heart is not just to preach to you. No, my heart is to preach with you and to lean in with you and say, I am preaching to myself tonight just as much, if not more, than I'm preaching to any of you. But maybe specifically you'd be like, well, Matt, okay, well, who is tonight like really for? Like tonight's for everybody, of course, but who's tonight like specifically for? And if you're gonna pin me, I would say this. I would say tonight is specifically for you if any of the following statements might apply. If anyone in your life close to you has ever hurt you, then I think tonight's specifically for you. For, for anyone who who may have a complicated or even broken relationship, a shattered relationship with a family member, then I think tonight is, is for you. If because of something like a person has said or did to you has ever caused you, you know, severe pain that's hard to get past in your life, then I think tonight is for you. And if you've ever at all, even just a little bit, struggled with the thought of forgiving someone because you just didn't really wanna let them off the hook? Like you felt like by forgiving them, you were somehow giving them an out, letting them off the hook for what they did or what they said. If you've ever struggled with that, even just a little bit, then I think tonight is for you. So I think there's probably a whole lot of people tuning in tonight that right now are thinking, man, this is for me. And I'm thinking the same thing myself. And as we get started tonight, I, I just wanna give you a quick challenge, and this could be difficult, but I, I want you to just take just a moment, if you're willing, and I want you to think about the worst thing anyone has ever done to you in your life. Just think about it for a second, hold on to that thought just for a moment. For, for Joseph, it probably was when his brothers sold him into slavery. I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine that for Joseph, that may have been the worst thing anyone has ever done to him when his brothers actually sold him into slavery. Just a quick recap of where we've been in this series, recap to this point in the story of where we are. Um, Joseph has 11 brothers. He is the second youngest. He has one younger brother and 10 older brothers. And while Joseph is not the youngest brother, he is the favorite. And his father, Jacob, um, he doesn't hide this at all. Like, he makes it very clear. Joseph is the most loved brother. He's the favorite. And in fact, his father, Jacob, gives him, like, this really colorful, ornate robe to show everyone, like, this son of mine, Joseph, is my favorite son. And so his brothers hate him. In fact, they despise him. They couldn't say a single kind word about Joseph. And so one day, uh, Joseph's 11 brothers feel like they have the perfect opportunity um, to get rid of Joseph. Like, and so they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna kill him. But then they kind of talk things over and they're like, no, we're not, we're not gonna kill Joseph. Like, that's too far. Let's just sell him into slavery. So Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery for what would be equivalent in today's time of $200. They sell their own brother into slavery for $200. Like, you can hardly buy a pair of Jordans for $200. My last pair of Jordans, I won't, I won't go there. But um, from there, Joseph gets sold into the household of a man named Potiphar. Potiphar worked for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was like the, the highest position. He was the most powerful person in all of Egypt and all of the, the world at this time. And Joseph eventually, eventually earns favor in Potiphar's household. He earns favor in Potiphar's eyes. And Potiphar gives him a lot of authority, a lot of responsibilities. But then after Joseph spent some time in Potiphar's household running everything, eventually Potiphar's wife recognizes Joseph and she's like, 
yo, hey, Joseph, like, come to bed with me. And she gives him invitation after invitation to come sleep with her. And Joseph, time and time again, says no. He refuses. So eventually, Potiphar's wife gets so fed up, she gets so frustrated that she decides she's going to frame Joseph and make it out as if Joseph was trying to come on to her, was trying to force her to sleep with him. And so obviously, when Potiphar finds out about this, he is infuriated and immediately throws Joseph into prison for something he didn't even consider doing. Joseph's in prison and he meets these two guys who, you, who worked for Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the land. One of the guys was the cupbearer for Pharaoh. The cupbearer is a job where literally um, before Pharaoh would like drink anything out of a cup, um, this guy's job, the cupbearer's job, was to drink it first and make sure it wasn't poison. Like a dream job, right? Like I know some of you are like, oh, is that still, like, you know, I guess if it was poison, they had to find a new cupbearer. Um, then you got the baker, he's the one that bakes. So these two guys, they, <laughs> baker, he bakes, yeah, that's a great description, Matt. So these two guys, they're in prison with Joseph, right? And one day they're down, they're like really down, and Joseph's like, hey, why do you guys look so dejected? Like, what's up? And they're like, man, we had these dreams, and we don't know what they mean. We don't know how to interpret them. Joseph's like, I got you to the cupbearer. He's like, you're gonna be fine in three days. You're gonna be back in your normal position. Everything's gonna be good. You're gonna be out of this prison. To the baker, he's like, in three days, you're gonna die. Like, don't worry about it. And um, I don't know if it really went down like that, but um, that's how he interpreted their dreams. And all Joseph said was, hey, to the cupbearer, when you get out in three days, when you're good, when you're back with Pharaoh, just remember me, remember my name, and just tell him about me. Just mention my name, and just in passing, so that I can maybe get out of this prison where I shouldn't be anyways. And so, of course, it happens. The baker, three days later, is executed. The cupbearer, three days later, he's back, restored to his position with Pharaoh. But the cupbearer completely forgets about Joseph until two years later. And two years later, the story picks up in Genesis chapter 41, and Pharaoh had this dream that he knew was significant, but he couldn't find anyone to interpret it. And then the cupbearer who works for Pharaoh was like, yo, I know a guy. Yeah, that dude Joseph in the prison. Like, he interpreted my dream, and Pharaoh's like, go get him, what are you doing? So this is where the story picks up in Genesis chapter 41, beginning in verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, after Joseph had said what your dream means, and Joseph said, your dream means you're gonna have seven years of harvest, seven years where everything's gonna be going well, seven years where you're living the dream, and then seven years of a severe famine. So you're gonna need to like figure that out. And so Pharaoh hears this and Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you, Joseph. You shall be in charge of my entire palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. He goes on, verse 41. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Like Joseph's now balling, right? It goes on, goes on. He had, he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Wow, Joseph goes from the pit where his brothers sold him into slavery to a prison and here he is in the palace. From the pit to a prison to a palace, Joseph had finally arrived. Like started from the bottom, now he's here. 
Seven years of plenty, as Joseph, Joseph predicted, followed by seven years of a severe famine. It was happening. So much so that the whole known world was going to have to come to Egypt to get food. Even Joseph's brothers who once sold Joseph into slavery, they were gonna be in a position where they were so desperate, they were gonna have to come to Egypt to get food so that they could survive. And this is where the story picks up. Genesis 42, the first encounter between Joseph and his brothers. It says, when Jacob, Joseph's dad, learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? Like, what are you doing? He continued, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. He's like, hey, listen, there's food in Egypt. Go there and try to get some so that like we can live and not die. Like, what are you guys doing? Why do you just keep talking about how bad it is? Like, quit looking at each other, get on with it and go. So the brothers get up and go, but they leave Benjamin, the youngest brother, back. And he stayed back with his father Jacob because Benjamin was now Jacob's new favorite son because Joseph, he thought, was dead. And so Benjamin's like, look, I don't even wanna risk anything happening to you, Benjamin. Like, you're good. You stay back. The other 10 brothers, you go to Egypt. Go get us some food. Like, get back as soon as you can. We'll be all right. Pick it back up. Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their face to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. <laughs> can, can you even imagine this moment? Like, just for a second, I know this is challenging to do, but I just want you to imagine if this moment were playing out right now in real life. Like, like, imagine the news coverage of this moment. Imagine what's going through Joseph's mind. He's seeing his brothers for the first time in 21 years. It had been 21 years since they sold him into slavery. And they come bowing down in front of him, desperate, and Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him but Joseph pretends to be a complete stranger and it goes on and it says, and Joseph spoke harshly to them. Well, where do you come from, he asked. And then they respond, they said, well, we come from the, the land of Canaan, they replied, to, we're here to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, oh, oh, I know who you are. You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. And they're like, no, 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 no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. No, no, my Lord. They answered, your servants have come to buy food. Like, we're, we promise you. Like, we're, we're, we're being honest. We've, we've come to, to buy food. Like, seriously, we're all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, Joseph said to them. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. I don't know this for fact, but I feel like he's kind of testing them here. He's kind of playing along with them. He's giving them some hard times. These are his brothers after all. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one, speaking of Joseph, is no more. Or so they thought. And Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you were spies. 
And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave the place unless your youngest brother comes here. So what happens next? Joseph decides to throw the brothers in prison for three days, for 72 hours. And after the three days were up, Joseph sent them back home. And he said, hey, listen, one of you needs to stay here with me. Like one of the brothers is staying here with me. The rest can go back, but I want you to go back home and I want you to come back with Benjamin, the youngest brother. And here's what I think's happening here. I think a couple things are taking place. Like I don't think Joseph is just being really vindictive. No, no, no. I think Joseph truly wants to get all of his family back together in Egypt. Second, I think Joseph is honestly trying to figure out if he can trust his brothers. Like these are the same guys that 21 years ago sold him into slavery that just said you're as good as dead to us. I think Joseph wanted to see if his brothers had actually repented, if they had actually changed, or if they were just now going to treat Benjamin, the new favorite, the youngest brother, the same way that they once treated him. And so Simeon, one of the brothers, stays back in prison while the other brothers go home. Mind you, Joseph sends them off with tons and tons of food, like more than they needed. And they eventually, the brothers eventually come back with Benjamin, the younger brother. And the final test was about to happen. All the brothers come back and Joseph finds like one of his workers and he's like, hey, I want you to go put this silver cup in in Benjamin's bag. And as the, the brothers were heading back to their hometown, he sent, Joseph sent his workers out and said, one of them took a silver cup. He, this was a setup, obviously. And so they go out and they're like, hey, you guys gotta come back. Some, one of you took a silver cup. And the brothers are like, no, we didn't do anything. Like, what are you talking about? And they come back and they search each of the brothers' bags. And sure enough, they found the, sim, the, the, the silver cup in the youngest brother's bag, in Benjamin's bag. And so obviously they're like, hey, there's consequences for this. Like, this is a really, really big deal. And this was the test to see what the brothers would do, to see if once again, they would just be like, oh, like, we don't know what happened. And maybe this would for them would be their opportunity to now get rid of Benjamin, the new favorite. But that's not at all how the brothers responded. They were panicking. In fact, one brother, Judah, he came and fell down and was like, listen, Joseph. He said, you, you, you can't do this. They still didn't know who, who this was. They didn't recognize him. But they said, listen, no, no, you don't understand. Our father will be, will be devastated. He already lost his, his, his favorite son once. This can't happen again. Please, 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 if there's any other way, just take me, do whatever you need to do with me. I'll take the consequence, but please don't lay a hand on Benjamin. Just don't do this. They are pleading. And in that moment, Joseph realized that the brothers had truly changed. They had changed. These weren't the same brothers that he knew 21 years ago, the brothers that sold him into slavery. Joseph realized they had changed. Something had happened in their spirits, in their lives, and they were not the same people they once were. And an amazing moment takes place, Genesis chapter 45, when Joseph is about to reveal himself to his brothers, and he's about to forgive them for what they did. Check this out. Genesis chapter 45, beginning in verse one. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So they all get out of the room. There was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. 
and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Have you ever had one of those cries where you just can't control it? You're just letting it out, and you don't, you've never felt anything like this, no matter how hard you try. Like, it's just coming. This is the type of moment that Joseph is experiencing, so much so that everyone hears him, and Pharaoh's household even heard about it. Like, they catch wind of it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not even able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Can you even imagine? His brothers in this moment, they can't even respond because they are so terrified. I'm sure they're thinking, you guys, what, what, what is happening? Like, no way, this is really Joseph. What is he gonna do to us? And look, then Joseph said to his brothers, hey, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Whew. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you, speaking to his brothers, it was not you who sent me here, but God, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Joseph says, hey, listen, I know you probably feel terrible. You're feeling conviction to the highest level right now in this moment, but listen, it's all right. What you did isn't all right, but I wanna let you know that the evil you committed, my God redeemed it for good. Did God cause this evil? Absolutely not. Did he redeem it? 100%. Does God cause the evil that you might experience in your life, the bad things to happen? No, can he redeem it 100%? I don't know where you're at, what you're walking through, but I believe that there might be a but God moment on the way. A moment where you said, hey, this happened to me, but God. I never thought this would work out, but God. The story goes on, Joseph tells them, hey, five more years of famine are coming. Like you think it's bad now, there's five more years, buckle up but I'm gonna take care of you, I got you, I've got your back, I'm your brother. Go back home and tell, tell my father, your father, go tell Jacob everything and then bring him back here to see me. Then, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Whew. I think there were some amazing moments in Joseph's life, no doubt. Like his faith when he was sold into slavery to become the head of Potiphar's household, that's an amazing moment. His, his faith when he was in the prison or back up, his, his character and integrity to say no time and time again to sleeping with Potiphar's wife. 
his faith in the prison when he was the most faithful prisoner ever and he became the, the, the he got authority in the prison like the prison warden gave him all this responsibility, he said you're in charge of everything here in this prison. But I think this right here is the most incredible moment of Joseph's life. The moment where he chose to forgive his brothers, the brothers that sold him into slavery. And let's be honest, Joseph had every reason to harbor unforgiveness in his heart. He had every reason to grow and become bitter. Some would even say, Joseph, you're crazy if you're not bitter. How could you not be? Your brothers literally wanted to kill you and then they just decided rather than killing you, they'd sell you into slavery and they went back home and told dad that you were dead. Like they ripped up your robe and made it look like you were mauled by an animal. Joseph had every reason to be like, I'm never forgiving them, no way. I'm gonna go so bitter. But I think Joseph realized that living the dream requires you to forgive. This is a hard truth to hear, but for you and me, if we're gonna live the dream, if we're gonna live the life that God has called us to, if we're gonna fully step in to what he has for us, to what he wants to do in and through us, we are going to have to forgive. And sometimes, it's gonna be really, really hard. Forgiving is hard. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because right now there is a person that is coming to your mind and you're saying, Matt, you don't know. You don't know what they did, you don't know what they said, no. I hear you, but no, it's hard. But can I tell you, living with unforgiveness in your heart, storing that up in your heart, growing bitter in your heart, it's harder. Unforgiveness breeds bitterness, and bitterness ultimately holds you back. It handcuffs you and holds you back in your life. Unforgiveness will ultimately eventually breed bitterness in your heart and bitterness, I'm telling you, it will hold you back from what God wants to do in and through you. It will hold you back in time to living out the dream that God has for your life. And maybe right now you're like, Matt, but there was something that happened to me. It, it was how they talked about me, Matt. It, they, they cheated on me. Not just once, but time and time again. Maybe someone stole something from you. Maybe they took advantage of you physically or emotionally. Maybe you have a mom or dad who never showed up for you. Your parents got divorced. They promised they would work it out, but it never happened. You fill in the blank. And that unforgiveness has now calloused into bitterness. And if we can just be honest, if I can just be honest and just admit something to you, hey, sometimes it feels really good to hold a grudge, doesn't it? Yeah, sometimes like we feel like that's the way out. I'm just gonna hold a grudge against this person. But TLR, hear me on this. Pain cannot get better if you remain bitter. Your pain cannot get better if you remain bitter. Bitterness ultimately holds you back, but forgiveness frees you forward. 
Bitterness will, will hold you back in life. But forgiveness ultimately will free you forward. Three things I wanna say as we begin to close. Three things that I think we can learn about forgiveness from the story of Joseph. Number one, Joseph had a really big view of God, right? Like, in all of this, Joseph's faith never wavered in, in God and how big he was. I think that throughout all of this, it's not that Joseph didn't feel it. I'm sure, if I can just be raw and real, I'm sure there are moments where Joseph's like, yo, you know what, this sucks. I, I don't wanna be in this pit. I, I don't wanna be in this prison. I'm tired of waiting to get out. God, I know you're doing something. I know you're leading me somewhere, but this is, I hate this. But ultimately, I think Joseph never compromised that he knew God was in control. He knew that God was bigger than any situation, any circumstance, and he trusted him. I wonder what would happen in our lives if we reminded ourselves that God is really, really big. Hey, he's in control. Nothing can shake him. Nothing is gonna knock him off his throne. He sees you. And yes, he, his heart breaks for the evil and the sin that exists in our world. But I'm telling you, he can redeem all things. Second thing is this, forgiveness doesn't mean a relationship has to be rebuilt. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that the relationship has to immediately go back to how it was. You look at the life of Joseph. Joseph forgave his brothers. But as we just read in, in, in the verses a few minutes ago, Joseph tested them a little bit. Trust wasn't earned back immediately. Like it took time. I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall during that conversation as it said Joseph and his brothers stayed and talked. I wonder what questions Joseph was asking them. I wonder what statements were being made in that moment. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you're just letting them off the hook. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be rebuilt. Now listen, at the same time, I'm not saying that there aren't situations where through forgiveness a relationship can be rebuilt. It can be restored. But I'm also not saying that every time it has to be that you immediately have to say, oh, there's no more boundaries up. I forgave him, I forgave her, I forgave that person, like we're good. No, 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 it could be like, hey, I forgave them and I forgave them so that I could be freed forward so that bitterness didn't grow in my heart so that I wasn't held back. But man, I still have boundaries up. We're still gonna have to keep working on things. It's gonna take time. Maybe you hope one day the relationship will be restored. You hope, but like it's gonna be a process to get there. And that's okay. And the third thing is this. We can look to Jesus. Ultimately, we have a, an example. We have a model that Joseph didn't have in the moment. We have Jesus. <laughs> and failing to forgive someone is choosing to overlook the gospel that saved you. Failing to extend forgiveness to someone when you have received such great forgiveness in your life Come on, no, 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 forgiven people, forgive people. And on the other side of forgiveness is your freedom to fully step into the future God has for you. On the other side of forgiveness is the potential for a restored relationship in your life. On the other side of forgiveness 
is the, the possibility of a healthier family down the road. On the other side of forgiveness is a better you. And so let me close with this illustration. I was trying to think this past couple of days how I could close this talk out. And I was just sitting thinking, Matt, like think about your own life. Because come on, there's people in my life that I need to extend forgiveness to. As I was preparing for this talk, there were two or three names that specifically came to mind. And, and I'm probably where some of you are. I'm like, no, 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 not yet. No, not now. I'm, they haven't forgiven me. They haven't reached out to me. I'm good, you know, like I've tried. And it's like, have you, Matt? What have you tried? Well, I, I've tried, like seriously. And it's like, no, you haven't. I haven't. But as I was thinking about how to close this, uh, this, this thought came to mind. I'm gonna grab this, this bag right here. Drag it over. I want you to just imagine that this bag represents your life. And inside this bag, I've got a few blocks. It's not gonna stay up here, I'm gonna shift it. And the first block is, is this one right here. And this is the pain of the world. Like just the pain of living in a broken world. And you've been hurt. And so what do you do? You just kinda, you kinda store it up. And then you've got this one right here and this is empty promises. Like I don't know who it was, but at some point someone told you something, but they never came through, a job was promised. They said, man, a relation, we're, gonna, we're gonna work on our relationship, but they never came through and you kinda store it up. And then you've got right here, you've got hurt from your past. Things that have happened to you or been said to you in your past and you just, you kind of store it up. And then you've got this one right here. This represents a broken relationship for you in your life. And so what do you do? You start to put these blocks in and you say, well, I'll forgive them maybe one day. Or you're like, no, I'm never gonna forgive them, but I'm fine, I'll be good. I don't need to worry about that. But then look at what happens. I only have two in here. If I had all four in here, it'd be twice as heavy. Two times two is four. <laughs> but you have these blocks in here, right? And, and you're like, I'm good. And then someone's like, hey, here's a healthy relationship for you. Step into it. And you're like, well, I've got all this bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. It, it, and you're, you're being held back. You can't step into it. You're not ready for it. You don't even have the strength to do it. Someone says, hey, there's great hope for your future and you wanna believe it so bad, but you're harboring this unforgiveness, this bitterness in your heart, and man, it's heavy. You can carry it for a few minutes. If I were to stand up here for the next 25 minutes, I promise you, I know I'm ripped, but I would be like, I'd be struggling, for real, because it gets heavy. And some of you in life right now, it is so heavy because you have so much unforgiveness in your heart, so much bitterness has grown and you can't carry it anymore. But I wonder what would happen if you were willing to say, man, I'm gonna do the hard work and I'm gonna forgive this person that's caused so much pain in my life. I wonder if you letting go of that Forgiving that person, I wonder if now you could be freed forward to step in to a redeemed story. If the pain of your past and the pain of this world could now be redeemed to a greater story moving forward. I wonder if you took the broken relationship and said, I'm gonna forgive that person. 
I wonder if now you could be free forward to step into healthy relationships in your life. I wonder if you took hurt from your past and said, man, this really, really hurt, but I'm gonna forgive this person. I'm gonna forgive that group of people. I wonder if you would now be freed forward to realizing and stepping into hope for your future. I wonder if you said, man, I'm gonna think about the empty promises. Maybe you have to go all the way back to first grade. Something a teacher said to you. I wonder if you would forgive that person for those empty promises, if you'd be redeemed or freed, sorry, forward to step into a redeemed purpose in your life. I don't know what it is, but what I know is that bitterness holds you back. Unforgiveness holds you back. But forgiveness will free you forward. Forgiveness is not just for the other person. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is for you. Because through the act of forgiveness, you can be free forward to step into all that God has for you, to all that God wants to do in and through your life. You can step in to the dream that God wants you to walk out and live. Living the dream begins with saying, I am going to consider and step in to forgiving people. And there's some of you that maybe the first step you need to take tonight is you need to receive forgiveness. The band's gonna close us out in a song here in just a second. And before they do, I just wanna say, maybe there's someone tuning in right now. And for you, 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 you're hearing me that this talk is about extending forgiveness, but you just need to receive. You need to receive. And you need to receive the forgiveness of your heavenly father. Because your heavenly father says you're enough. Your heavenly father says I have amazing plans for you. And tonight, there is someone who just, open hands, you just need to receive forgiveness in your life. That's the first step towards you moving in a direction where you can really begin to extend forgiveness. And so if that's you tonight, if you've never received the forgiveness and love of God, if you've never realized that, wow, I'm a sinner, like I'm not perfect, I need a savior, and you've never recognized Jesus to be that savior for you, then I just wanna give you the invitation right now to, to, to receive it. I would invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't save you, it just solidifies what God is doing in your heart. Just pray, Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. And tonight, in this moment, I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in Jesus' death and resurrection. And I wanna follow you, Jesus, from this day forward, the best way that I know how. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer tonight for the first time and you just received the forgiveness of your heavenly father, I, I wanna invite you to, to let us know, to share it with us. We're a family here. Family celebrates when big things happen. There's nothing greater that could ever happen, ha happen in your life than you receiving the forgiveness of your heavenly father.
than you stepping into that freedom. And so if that's you tonight, I just want you right now just to put the word alive, alive in the chat because spiritually you have just gone from death to life. If that's you, just put alive in the chat or you can even take it a step further and text the word alive to 89800 so someone from our team can follow up with you. And I'm believing, I'm confident that right now there are people who are stepping into freedom and receiving forgiveness. And so Heavenly Father, we thank you for it. And tonight as we close with this song, I just wanna challenge you to think about what's been stirring in your heart in these moments. To think about who it is that maybe you need to forgive. And I want you to say, Father, I'm not alone. You're with me. Would you give me the strength to do what I know I need to do? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at The Living Room ATL. Remember, TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.